Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And we're live. Miles, how are you doing tonight? Steve, everything is really good. It's a beautiful, beautiful, freezing cold night here in uh, Utah. Wow. Here in <laughs> Ohio. Now you know where my mind is. That's a Freudian slip. You wish you and were in Utah. As, yeah. And as Freud said, there are no slips. <laughs> I should be in Utah. <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking good in your uh, Real Man Meditate uh, t-shirt from the uh, Evolve. Yeah, podcast been, uh, website yeah my meditation practice is really skyrocketed and i'm doing it three four times a day that's awesome how, yeah, how cold keeps... has it been there in uh Oberlin? i mean we've had some uh, cold weather but i don't think we're as cold as what you are well the other day it was one wow and the day before that it was zero you put those together that's 10 that's 10 but it was we were not 10 <laughs> we were one and zero and i think one today it was like seven do you get as cold there because of the lake as you do in Utah? I mean, it seems like when I've been in the Cleveland area, uh, you, because you're so close to the lake, you get a lot more of that bone chilling cold. Yeah. Um, you know what it is? Well, the lake is the thing that creates the humidity. And it's interesting because when I lived in Utah, um, yeah, I don't know if you, know, you ever noticed when I lived in Utah, I never wore a coat. Right. I mean, I would be yeah. layered with sweaters, but because it's the desert and it's dry, the uh, the winters were not that cold to me, even though the numbers could look equivalent to like 15 degrees in Utah is to me is not the same as 15 degrees here in Ohio, just because of the lake and the humidity. On the other hand, the summers in Utah were just murderous to me because the humidity serves as a buffer back here east. Mm. And out in Utah, since it was so dry, the sun, it felt like it was directly on my skin. I, I could not lay out the way people lay out in Utah. It really, really bothered me, even though I, I love the heat. But because of the humidity here and the lack of humidity there created this kind of inverse relationship with me and the weather where I loved winter in Utah, but I love the summers here. Well, I remember you talking a lot about that in the summertime to get out of the heat, you would go sit underneath a tree. That's a place where you would read. You'd spend some creative yeah. time under trees. You had some of your favorite trees that were by your apartment downtown. That yeah. You hang out and that, that was a bit creative time for you. But talk a little bit, you know, you're a creative guy. You play the piano. Uh, you you create in a multitude of ways. What's your what's your creative process? I, I try to I, I try to feed my imagination or my brain as much as I can with as many disparate things things mm. that don't seem to have connections. Um, I let them go in my brain and I hit puree and ask, what's coming out? <laughs> Yeah, I think you hit puree before anything else. <laughs> but no, I, 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 that's what—that's literally what I do. I, I just, 
you know what I've read so much about creativity and and you know how they say you know you just study something study as hard as you can just yeah. take it in yeah. and then you leave it alone and it goes inside and it comes back out in other forms with all this emotion to it so I, I that's literally what I try to do how do you do it how do, with your paintings because I've looked at a lot of your work and a lot of your work there's the the one thing I can see in a lot of your work is nothing is really similar technique might be similar mm. but content is wildly varied well it's, yeah um, i'm the same way where i i consume a lot of different content whether it's music whether it's visual art dance i mean you name it i'm i'm constantly consuming content and i think that's what feeds creativity you know there's uh there's a book i can't remember off the top of my head who the author is but uh it, it, the title of the book is still like an artist and really all art is theft oh yeah I we still that. ideas we still concepts from art in every different level and i think one of the things that uh, i don't know if it's a problem for me or i don't know if it's just it's just who i am but i love creating in multitude of ways and so you're right i don't paint the same things over and over again i i'll go through a phase or a period where i'll paint something or i'll draw something and it will be one way and then i throw that away and try something completely different you know what's uh -huh. been fascinating to me in the last several months though is uh what was it july or august of 2021 i had an opportunity to interact and play one-on-one -on -one with a guy who is truly an artist now you've heard of uh, grayson boucher right the professor yeah, the professor yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the professor is an amazing street baller we all know this i mean this guy has got over a hundred million views on his YouTube channel alone. Um, I think he sits at about 11 million total followers across all of his social media channels. So hands down, the street baller of street ballers, one of the best basketball players of all time. But this guy's a creative. I mean, when he walked up to, uh, to the event that we were hosting, he had these pants on that were reflective and you hold your phone up to the pants and it made them even more reflective. I mean, they were rainbow color, but the way he plays is so creative. And so I started doing some research after playing him and feeling like uh, an old man. Uh, and the moves that he does, he literally will teach NBA players these moves because he does them and almost nobody else can do them even close to what he does. I mean, nobody does them at the same level that he does. But you know what? We're really fortunate that tonight we have Grayson on the podcast and we are going to be uh, talking to him in just a couple of minutes here to talk not only creativity, but you know what really stood out to me about this guy? Well, I'm not going to give it away because we're going to get into that in just a minute. Are you ready for the professor? I am ready for the professor. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in Grayson Boucher, the professor. And we're live. We are joined today. Um, Miles, you know who this guy is, right? Oh, I know who he is now. Yeah, yeah. We are really fortunate to have Grayson, the professor Boucher with us. 
Uh, guys, Grayson, the Professor Boucher, was born and raised in Kaiser, Oregon. Did I say that right, Kaiser? Kaiser, Oregon. Kaiser, yeah. Oregon. I love it. Uh, his dad introduced him to the game of basketball at two years old, and he quickly found his passion for the game in fourth grade. Growing up, Grayson practiced basketball an absurd amount of hours per day and garnered local attention with his game and dribbling skills. He honed his craft where he was able to turn pro at the age of 18, landing him a spot on the globally famed And One Mixtape Tour of 2003. Streetball, the And One Mixtape Tour, and the ESPN reality television series documenting the team's tours year-round, which aired for seven seasons. After And One, the professor continued to tour the world, wowing crowds with his ball-handling skills and posting his highlight-driven content on his YouTube channel, The Professor Live, which he started in 2009. And I'll tell you, if you're not following The Professor Live on YouTube, you need to. Following his viral video, Spider-Man Basketball Episode 1 in 2013, his channel reached over 100 million views. The professor continues to travel the world and expand his brand on social media. He has over 11 million followers across all social media platforms, and the Spider-Man Basketball web series has become the number one most viewed web series of all time on YouTube. The professor, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you what a... What an honor, what an honor. And I wanna jump right in and just say that, you know, I've always been impressed with your ball handling and really your overall basketball skills, but that's really not the biggest impression that you made on me when uh, we met a few months ago. Um, your humility and your gracious and kind demeanor were just unforgettable. I mean, it's, it's really rare to meet somebody who has achieved a level of recognition and fame like you have, that uh, is so kind and so, so humble. Talk about how you've stayed humble uh, despite this worldwide recognition and success. Yeah, well, it wasn't always like that, you know, when I was younger, but <clears throat> for me, I, I believe that that's the best way to honor God with the platform that he gives you. Mm. Number one, you know, for me, I'm Christian, so I try to honor that. And then number two, um, you know, I had a chance to be in the limelight real heavy early in my career with Am One, right? Yeah. But Am One just ended out of nowhere. And then like a year and a half after Am One, maybe even a year, I would walk around and wouldn't even get recognized by anybody. Wow. So today, you know, having a second chance with digital today, like when somebody, you know, stops me or wants to have a conversation or show love, I try to engage with them as much as possible just to just to honor the platform and, and know that like this stuff is fleeting. You know what I mean? Like you got to rest in gratitude that people are supporting. You know what I mean? So I think it's those two things because, you you know, I want to do that in general outside of even just fanfare. But also, you know, show show a level of gratitude. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to uh, be on and sustain an entertainment on any level. So. Oh, yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you something real fast because I the the it's it's funny because Steve let me know how humble you are. And and the first thing that I thought of, um, you know, being an old school um sports guy, for some reason when people in the in the NBA and the NFL, when they score and they do all of the, the stuff, it, it to me it takes away from the thing that they did. 
And it's almost as if like what you do on the court, it that's your thing. That that that's the show. That's what everybody loves. So that when you walk off the court, you could be humble because everybody remembers what you did on the court and you're not trying to overdo it outside of that that venue. Does that make does that come close to anything in part of your thinking? Yeah, I mean, I've never really been a, a celebratory, like, dance-type guy. That was just never my style. But I do have some friends who's like, teammates who are more charismatic that like to, uh, you know, do a dance or some sort of celebration or, or whatever. And I think maybe that stuff is more, like, internal. But I don't know. Some fans will say that hypes them up, like, in football or whatever. But then other people will say, like, oh, like, that's a little bit arrogant yeah. or too short after you already, like, caught an amazing touchdown or – made an amazing basket. But yeah, I never was like a, you know, like some people hit a shot and like, you know, throw up a three or do something. I don't know. It was just never my personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and you, I, and I saw that firsthand as you yeah, beat people. I, I mean, you beat I, I me. Would, I appreciate that. Yeah. You, you beat me pretty handily, obviously, but uh, there was no showing off there uh, after the fact. Talk a little hey, bit, look, uh, Grayson. You guys, were, you guys were gracious enough to host, you know what I mean? Like how, how am I going to go in there and, <laughs> Yeah, show love. You I was grateful to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were glad to have you. So, uh, we talk about some of the lessons that you learned when you were in early childhood that have propelled you to uh, to where you are today. Because I think all of us, like you said, we uh, maybe we're not always humble uh, when we're younger, but we do learn some of those lessons, and I think they take seed. And later on, they after germinating for a while, they uh, they come out in our behavior. Uh, talk about some of those lessons that you learned early on childhood that uh, you, you know, pushed you to where you're at. Some of the lessons I learned. Well, I think um, one thing I can say, my dad would uh, really just taught me like how to have like a great work ethic toward the game. You know what I mean? And kind of mm -hmm. just like hone my skills as much as possible. You know, his whole thing was like, the more you work hard at the game, the better the results can be. And I was naturally shy, just, just naturally. So like for me, I didn't hang out. I, didn't I wasn't really like, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. So I really just spent all my time in the gym, but I would love that in doing that by the time it came game time, I just felt so prepared. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Look back in retrospect and say that like, I was really great at over-preparing, you know, because now a lot of kids uh, and parents will ask me, like, how I can be so confident come game time and how do I not be uh, nervous or whatever the case. But I think that really goes into how you prepare and how much you prepare, right? You can only be – I think Kobe said you can only be as confident as the level of your preparation. Mm, so I think yeah. I, I learned that really young, really young. I remember, like, in high school, like, all my friends, even in middle school, they go to, like, the uh, – the varsity football game. And that was like a big hangout in my hometown. And, you know, then they go to parties afterward and hang out. And I remember I always skipped out partially was, I just wasn't that social. But then I think another aspect was I just wanted to be in the gym. I didn't want to do anything. My, my idea of having fun on a Friday night would be to be at the local gym, like playing pickup or one-on-one -on -one or whatever. So yeah, uh, I learned that early on, you know what I mean? Like, like just trying to over-prepare, you know, get my reps in. I think, would I think you consider that, that yourself was, an introvert? Um, now, <clears throat> uh, I think naturally I'm more introverted, but, but I'm good at being both, but I think I'm somewhere in the middle, you know what I mean? Between introvert oh, okay. and extrovert, yeah. I have no problem, uh, talking to crowds or, uh, mixing up with a lot of people, but I feel like it's more natural for me to be introverted. Like I always was growing up, you know, but then Anwan broke me in, you know, we had to give speeches in front of big old 
crowds at like camps and assemblies and events, you know what I mean? So it kind of broke me in and I got more used to it. But like I was in college, I gave a speech, my college speech class. And I remember mm. I was holding my notes, like my hand wouldn't stop shaking. because <laughs> I was <holding laughs> And I remember thinking to myself like, I cannot believe how nervous I am. Like I cannot make my hand stop shaking. You know what I mean? Like I literally, these thoughts are going through my head. So I think um, the job broke me in. I think people can work on that, right? There's some introverts who are great public right. speakers. So uh, yeah. yeah, it is a book, it's called Quiet. And it's a, literally a book about introverts and introverts who learn how to do extroverted things. But after they do the extroverted thing, they need to get away from it and go home and regenerate because they put out so much energy. And that's normally energy they would use for themselves in their quiet time or whatever projects they were developing themselves. Absolutely, you know, and I, and I found it interesting too in learning later that some people, like one of the biggest fears in the world is like, it's like heights, public speaking, and then being alone. But I found it interesting being alone, right? Because like, when I go home at night, like, like some people always got to be with somebody, you know what I mean? But like, I don't mind being alone. Like, like I think the introvert is more comfortable with that than maybe the extrovert yeah. who wants company and camaraderie. And I think there's value in both, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got to have some time to recharge re, uh, and regenerate, but uh, it is nice to be around other people as well. You know, you mentioned earlier, so I got to I got to give a shout out to your uh, to your website. One of my favorite uh, T-shirts that you have on your website, which is currently sold out, by the way, because uh, I tried to buy it. It's where Jesus is crossing someone, and I think it's called the Holy Cross. Is that right? <laughs> the name of the T-shirt. Holy Cross, the double entendre, the Holy Cross uh, t-shirt. Jesus crossing over the devil with the disciples watching him back. Yeah, I love that. My faith. Talk, talk a little bit about your faith and how important your faith is to you in your life. Well, I mean, for me, it's my foundation is everything. You know, uh, I came to Christ 2011, actually, at my closest friend's funeral. Mm. So for me, it was really like, I consider it like the turning point in my life. You know what I mean? Like, it changed all my foundation for like why I do things, you know, obviously worldview, how I treat other people, how I treat my business, uh, how I steward things, what kind of a leader I am. So it trickles down into really everything. I would say it's my, it's my rock and foundation, you know? How do, how do you, uh, what do you do on a daily basis to uh, stay close to those beliefs and stay close to God? Uh, <laughs> You know, when I'm most focused, like I'm reading a word in the morning, I, I, I'd be lying if I say so I read the word every single morning, but I do try to get something in there on the daily, whether it's a Devo, whether I'm reading a chapter in a book, uh, or sorry, a chapter of the Bible or something like that, listening to some ministry online or something like that. So always trying to stay anchored uh, in the word of some sort, and then just staying in prayer, you know, with God, I feel like it's more relationship than religion, you know what I mean? A lot yeah. of people think. Like, I remember somebody recently told me I was, like, super religious, or I'm known as being super religious. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, because I think in the, in the church, it's common belief that, like, religion and relationship is two different things, you know? There is a big difference, yeah. I mean, I grew up in a uh, very, very staunch religion, and I don't consider myself a religious person, but I do feel like I've got a great relationship with God, um, which I believe are two totally different things. I think a religion is uh, sometimes a place that you go. It's a way you worship, but... Uh, you know, relationship is something that's totally different. It's how, how you stay connected. It's part of your foundation and your beliefs. You, you've had amazing success on the different platforms that you have. Um, how do you feel like that has allowed you to 
spread uh, positivity. I mean, you're an extremely positive person. Talk a little bit about this uh, spread of positivity that you have throughout your entire platform. Mm, yeah, you know, my whole thing, I kind of like rooted in uh, inspiring and impacting. And that could be in a whole bunch of different ways. And I, a lot of times it's based off like fan feedback I get either on the street or like in, if I go to my Facebook DMs, you know, I get all type of things. Like some people will mention faith. They'll be like, oh, I saw that that prison video you did where you told your testimony, you played ball with the prisoners, man. I really touched me. That kind of like molded me for my faith. And then some other people will just say, like, I remember just recently, some dude said he was like in his 50s. And he's like, I ain't touched basketball in 25 years. He's like, I saw your videos. And now I'm getting back to it. I'm trying to get in shape. So he was like, <laughs> I remember another person, Uh, they said that, they had cancer for like a long time. And then they were like, Oh, your videos motivated me, you know, watching these when I was on, you know, on bed rest. Cause I had cancer or whatever. I guess a guy had overcome cancer. And so I was like, wow. wow. So sometimes it could be a really heartfelt way like that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, as far as just, uh, I think your question was like, how do I stay positive and stuff? I think fan feedback motivates me. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, uh, Honoring God motivates me. I'm, I'm always hyped because I feel like I'm more purpose driven. And when I'm more in my purpose, I feel like I have better joy and I'm like more positive and stuff going about it like that. But um, I would stay motivated. I set goals and then I have a really good time trying to achieve them day in, day out. I love the team that I work with, my close friend, circle of friends. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess it's a lot of things. Yeah. And you really do spread a lot of positivity. I mean, um, when you left Utah, two, three weeks went by and um, one of the guys that I work with said my, that his kid, who is probably, I don't know, five, six years old, playing in a little basketball league, he said, Steve, this kid has been practicing the crossover ever since seeing the professor. And he's out there against these other five, six-year-old kids. They have no idea what he's doing, but he's bringing the ball up high and he's doing the full (laughs) professor crossover. And I mean, to this day, whatever that was, five, six months ago, um, his kid's still schooling other kids in this this basketball league. So you certainly motivate people from a young age to uh, old guys like uh, Miles and I. I love that, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. One of the things that um, I observed when you were in Utah, it, there was uh, there was a strange guy that came up. I mean, I think the overall event, a uh, lot of positive people, but there was a strange guy that came up and he tried to get a little aggressive with you in a one v one situation, and you handled it with skill and grace. Uh, how often does that happen, where you've got some aggressive people or some haters that are uh, coming up to try and uh, set you off? All, all the time, every, every time out, you know, I was telling people every like, time. Wow. Okay. Uh, 90, 90%, 80%, wow. something like that. I mean, some, some days it's funny. Cause now, now if we go out and we get that controversy or haters or, or somebody, you know, trying to get physical, it actually makes for a great video. So I'm actually excited for it, but some days it doesn't happen, but I, there are people who think like my videos are fake because a lot, like every time you look at it, it's always like a trash talker and some sort of story yeah, that leads yeah. to the game. And oftentimes it comes out crazy. Like I feel like God's hand in a lot of my videos. Sometimes we couldn't have wrote a better script. So like some people <laughs> don't think they're fake, you know what I mean? But they're not. And I think, I think what's missing there too is this knowing basketball and the culture, right? Basketball yeah, is the most egotistical sure. sport. By far, basketball is the most egotistical sport, I believe. Um, 
and everybody thinks point. they're better than they are. I thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that's true. thinks they're better than they are, like for sure. You know what I mean? So I think these things just unfold. You know what I mean? Like it just happens. Well, let me ask you because it's funny you said that. I I grew up in Rucker Park. That's where I grew up. I'm from Harlem. I grew up in Rucker Park. And, oh, so you know? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know when you go down there and play, it, it you get more crap from the people in the audience than you get from other players playing against you. It's almost like the players on the court have a mutual respect for each other. But once you look into that audience, and right after a game, everybody wants to challenge you. They want to challenge you. People think you're not good. And I can imagine watching how you play, you know, you can embarrass some people or you can bring some things out of people that they think they had, but they really don't. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I think, yeah. Every, and what's interesting, too, is like when you watch a game, like you think, man, I could have done X, Y, Z. But it's always like things you don't calculate, right? Like one thing I found and one of the secrets to my games is cardio, just in general, right? Like I'm very mm. active with cardio, running multiple mm. times a week. I go to a therapy spot. I get functional workouts in twice a week. And nice. then my shoots, I don't actually play basketball unless I'm shooting. So like that's a couple times a week too. So I stay very active. But a lot of people just forget certain things like cardio, you know, somebody's quickness doesn't look like it. Like when you watch it on film, it might not look like it does when you stand in front of somebody. You know what I mean? There's always things that you don't, you don't actually calculate until you're there, right? Until you're yeah. like in front of somebody. So it's funny how it works. <laughs> so talk talk a little bit about so the haters and the uh, the trash talkers. It's great for your content. Uh, how do you deal with them though? I mean, what is what's your strategy? And do and I guess a follow up question to that would be. Do they ever push it too far where it gets a little bit, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta handle it a different way. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I don't, I, if we go to shoot, I have two security guards on deck. Okay. Shout out, shout out to my security, Tadao and his family. They're awesome. These big Samoan dudes, but nice. Uh, yeah. So since I brought them on board, it doesn't really go as far. I've had a few close calls where it was like, actually, I can't even say that. Yeah. It goes South. It does go South. Like, I'm not combative to a, like, I can never really go to fighting with basketball because that's not my approach going in. You know what I mean? Like, I can get frustrated, but to ever go to, like, a fighting situation, I I mean, I have a video actually coming out where I actually got in a fight with a dude, but it was like, you know, it was like, he, I kind of, like, threw him off me, and then he tried to fight, and then it was kind of over at that. So I never yeah, really get to okay. the point where I go blows. And I think most, most people don't, right? Most people want to play ball and just get the upper hand. So I try to go in and show as, uh, as much love as I can, no matter where, just because for me going to do what I do, you know, and it's on camera and everybody kind of knows the situation. You want to approach that in a graceful way because you're right. going to use the footage. It can get legal. All different types of things can come from that. You know what I mean? So I try well, to go good in point. Good point. showing everybody as much love as possible, you know, and uh, hopefully to leave in, in good standing with whoever it was. And then like, off the court it's just it's all love you know what i mean because at the end of the day even if like somebody gets beat like like the guy other guy steve for the utah video or yeah, whoever yeah if you right. go away the victim of a basketball game it, it, like it might feel like a big moment but it's not really you know you can find millions of victims online or basketball, <laughs> right like, you know what i mean like it's not as big a deal as it might feel in the moment so i try to just leave all comp uh, competitiveness or trash talk in between the lines you know and show everybody love and then I like to give back a lot of times we'll bring global hooper gear to the court. So by the time we leave and we're passing out clothing, you know? 
Yeah, that's great. I, it's funny you bring up Steve. I ran into him. He's one of the guys at the Utah Jazz. Ran into him recently, and I said, "Hey, uh, your, your video—it's pretty big." And I think what I, what I checked earlier today—that's got two million views. Where you're crossing him over, and he stumbled backwards, and he goes, "Yeah, man, I get so many people calling me asking me, is that you? Is that really you?'" And he says it's a it's a blessing and a curse that uh, I had that video done, but I, he was pretty happy huh. with it. So it okay. most of the so that's most, good. yeah that's good. I didn't know how he felt going away, but uh, yeah, shout out to Steve. He was pretty good though. Like like I didn't think he was even gonna score to be honest, but no, he, he was. He, yeah, he could he could shoot. He had a couple yeah. of shots in there. You know, he uh, so most of it stays on the court then. So you're not dealing with that. And I think there is a lot. Basketball is one of those uh, sports where there's you, you're drawing, you're talking a lot. There's a lot of trash talk and hopefully it just stays on the court there. Yeah. Plus, I'm in a different season now. Like, I actually don't care about the game like like I do. And I want to compete super hard when I'm being on it. But I'm really more concerned with, like, how can I entertain better? How can mm. I bring a new move to the table? How can I get the people to go crazy and get wild? As far as like, I think a lot of times it gets rooted in ego because it's like, a, I'm better than you think. Well, like I've lost a bunch in my career to pro players. Like I, I have losses on my YouTube channel. And like, for me, like when it gets into like, now I have a bunch of employees, you know what I'm saying? We, we trying to do a brand. And then like, you look at your bill spend per month. Like there's, there's way more to this than being the best at basketball. For me, that kind of like went out the window a long time ago. Obviously I want to play at a high level. I want to inspire yeah. impact and entertain, but. I look at it different now, you know what I mean? Like people challenge, I just went to Cheesecake Factory. Do you want to play, do you want to play one-on-one, -on -one, you know, the waiter? Like, do you want us to like, go to a court? <laughs> he was like serious and I was like, bro, I don't even care. Your challenge, like much respect, but I don't even like into it like that. Like you might be able to beat me, do a 6'4". I was like, you know, I never judge a book by its cover. I, that's that's my, people judge me by the cover. Like, yeah, I right. <laughs> I loved it. Well, talk, talk about the creativity. This is something Miles and I were talking about earlier. I mean, you're an extremely creative person. Miles plays jazz piano. I draw, I paint. You, you uh, work your creative craft with a basketball. How do you come up with the things that you do? Because truly, I've never seen people do some of the stuff that you do. And if they do it, they don't even come close to the skill level that you have. So obviously there's some work and some effort there, but how do you come up with these different moves that you're doing? And before you answer it, I want to just add something to that. Have you ever gotten anything outside of hooping? You know, like there's the history of all kinds of great basketball players, but have you ever like, you know, messed around and looked at a, a food dish and go like, huh, that's inspired me a particular way to do something. Like, have you, you know, where do you get your creativity from and where's the wildest place you've gotten it from? Oh, there you go. There you go. That's interesting. So if I was to answer that question, uh, first off, so I was birthed into the creative move game by uh, watching small guards growing up in the 90s. So um, oh. Rod Strickland. Mm, yeah. Uh, was my no first, one of my favorite players growing up. Then Allen Iverson. Like, obviously, I was a yeah. Jordan fan. These guards I can relate to. I liked Tim Hardaway's crossover. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Stephon Marbury. He was a, he was a little bit later. Steph, Steph later? came more in the early 2000s. But, yeah, I mean, people like that really inspired me. Uh, and then I became a fan of streetball in the 90s, you know, 
watching the M1 mixtapes, you know, M1 mixtape volume one, skip to my Lou, and then later oh. Hot Sauce, mm. AO. Mm-hmm. These guys, these guys were like my idols more so, I'd say, than the NBA. And then they eventually became my teammates. Yeah. But so that's where the foundation of a really getting into your move bag and doing creative stuff really came about. Uh, as far as inspiration outside of the game, uh, I would say uh, maybe like dance movies, like Michael Jackson, he, he did like sideways, okay. the glide. Like, but that was, a, that was a move that like Hot Sauce, you know, Hot Sauce kind of did that. And then yeah, I yeah, yeah. him, but I, I tried to make it smoother by watching MJ, how he did, okay. I looked at his foot, how he did the glide. I was like, oh, you could do a smoother, okay. So I think that, and then like, when I think about the moves too, mainly it's not always about the moves, right? I just think about the video in general. So I can grab inspiration for the video from a lot of different places. Like even when we were there, when I was in Utah, I had the pant, the cyber pants. Oh, I love those and pants. These were on Global Hoover, the reflective pants I wore yeah. with the glasses, kind of. So that that whole collection at Global Hooper 2099 was kind of like a mix of Back to the Future, yep, um, yep, the the Matrix, Tron. It was all okay. like a futuristic wave. So I got inspiration for like the video, kind of like wearing that and bringing that to basketball. So okay, there was yeah. Creativity there. But as far as the moves, it's from, it, it was planted by my OGs who eventually were my teammates. And then like even kids though, I see kids all the time. I even see like moves online, <laughs> Chinese, Chinese and Japanese streetball players even do something that's really creative and then I'll kind of do it and do it my way. Or they give me an idea like, oh, what if I went the other way? He went that way. What if I went the other way and did it like this? You know, and I sometimes I can come away with something that's like it could really work against a high level player. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. it's hard to be 100 percent original. I will say, even with majority of the moves, 90 percent of the moves that M1, Rucker Park, all the street ball players, any NBA players are doing, they're all done in like the 40s, 50s. Like the Globetrotters started a lot. Oh of it. yeah, you know yeah. that's where Pistol Pete probably got his inspiration and kind of went down from there. So yeah, I was just going to ask about Pistol Pete. Around. Yeah, you know, I grew. I grew up. I never saw Pistol Pete play. Grow up in Utah. He played here in Utah, but I didn't see him play in person. I mean, by the time I started to wake up to to basketball, it was uh, the early Stockton Malone years. It was even before that, I guess. Adrian Dantley, Daryl Griffith, some of those guys. Um, but you know, loved Dr. J. Loved some of those guys. But I, all of a sudden, one day, I see this video of Pistol Pete and some of the stuff he was doing. I'm like, holy cow! This guy was way ahead of his time. Did, was there anything, was he an inspiration at all? Because there's certain things you do where I'm like, ah, that, I can, I can see a little Pistol Pete in that move. Yeah, I definitely have inspiration from Pistol Pete, but you know what, not directly. I actually didn't see Pistol Pete highlights until the YouTube era. Oh, wow. I, really much. I remember there was this, uh, this NBA tape called the NBA Jam Session. And okay. it had a section of it, it played that song, that, that uh, is it a Beatles song? It's like Reeling in the Years. Oh, yeah. yeah, a bunch of old school clips, and there was a little bit of Pistol Pete, but it was like just glimpses. So now I have a better idea for how Pistol Pete played, but it's interesting because one thing I put together off seeing all his game is there's a lineage actually from him to me. So, mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know this, I never said this on video, but there's a lineage from Pistol Pete for, for, from the original Globetrotters, who I'm sure is who he mimicked to Pistol Pete to uh Magic Johnson. Yep. To skip to my Lou, yep. skip to my Lou, kind of reason that one started, and then to us, like me and my teammates. So, like when Skip, for example, when when Magic came down and he bounced the ball, he does like the air the air fake pass. Yes, uh-huh. there that yep. was a pistol. Pete. That was, that a pistol was. Pete. 
And I don't know if Pistol Pete originated that or got it from somewhere else, but that's his thing. And then that's how Skip Tamalu did. Skip Tamalu used to fake once over the ball, fake twice over the ball, grab it, sometimes go like this, sometimes here, sometimes yep. around the body. And then like like I do that today in my game. I'll do like an air dribble or different things. And then like that whole like fake around the bass, uh around the back, like Jason Williams repopularized that. He got it from yep. Pistol Pete. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what I was giving to ask about. It's like, oh, we forget white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> From my understanding, white chocolate must—he must have had access to like Pistol Pete's footage even before the internet, because he always said that was one of his idols. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up, but yeah, Jay Will was a beast. You know what I mean? But I was older when Jay Will Jay Will started in the NBA when I was like almost graduating high school. But um, okay, I can see that lineage yeah, now that you point that there. out. I mean, he was inspiring. Oh, yeah. Jay Will's yeah. like, oh, gee, he's a friend of mine, too, now. So it's cool. That's awesome. So, and I can see that lineage, like you're talking about, from Pistol Pete to Magic. Because I used to watch Magic. And I and I, as soon as I would see him do certain things, I'm like, man, that's a Pistol Pete. He did that a decade ago. And then yeah, it's all since the way we, along. Since we're throwing out all these names now, I got to ask. Because, right, right. you know, there's, there's the Doctor. There's Pistol. There's the Wizard. There's Black Jesus. There's Pistol, Magic, the Legend. And you are the professor. How'd you the, come from? How did, did you do that? Did somebody look at you and say, he's schooling people. He's the professor. How'd you come by that name? Yeah, exactly. So the announcer of the Animal Mixtape Tour was the original voice of Screeball. He was the main announcer at Rucker Park. He's got Duke Tango. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know who Duke King Tango is. Yeah, he gave out, you know, Skip to my lose name, main event. Uh, a lot, a lot of players that were on my team originally. So yeah, he gave me the name. Just I think it was the first time he saw me play. You know what I mean? He just ah okay. Yeah, and it stuck. Like at first, it was kind of weird, and then like you don't really know whether to respect the nickname when somebody gets it like on site. With Anwan, he was naming people quicker than he probably would normally. You know what I mean? But uh, it just stuck over time. You know? So yeah, you're schooling people left and right uh, every day. Still, your class is in session. <laughs> Always. You know, Grayson, one of the things that I tell my kids on a regular basis is that there's really only a handful of people that are going to reach that pinnacle of success of being the absolute best at what they do. But really, they won't know until they've worked hard and dedicated themselves for years and years if they can ever get to that point. As a guy who's reached the pinnacle, I mean, you are one of the well, most well-known, if not the most well-known streetballer in the world. You're the best uh, street baller from my perspective in the world. What what advice would you give to the younger generation, people that are looking to you to say, gosh, I want to be like him? First thing I would say is uh, street ball is a genre, isn't it really as popular now? And I don't even, I actually don't consider myself a street ball player. I just play basketball, you know? So I view okay. the game as right. one. Some people might put what I do in a separate category because there's so much flash involved. And the Anwan Mixtape Tour actually had illegal moves when it first came out. That was very popular at the time, so it got put into a subcategory. So I would tell people, work on ba basketball is what you need. You need to really put your reps in and work on the fundamentals first because a lot of people, um, they'll see what I do and see the flash and highlight tapes because that's what's entertaining and that's what that's what moves the needle most with business and it's, you know what I mean, it's more impactful that way, but... I wouldn't be able to do the moves without being able to have the fundamental base. Because for example, if I go between somebody's legs, right? A lot of people would say, well, why didn't that dude just close his legs and cut it off, right? But what they don't know is they had no choice because A, my jump shot would be a threat, right? 
Mm. So, so, so you got to be in the defense stance. You got to kind of get close. And then B, if you close your legs, we can just go right around you. And, and there's so many different – so you really have no choice but to be subject to that move. But there's a lot of fundamental thought and having – you know, being able to have your jump shot be deadly or a threat, you know what I mean? Like that would take yeah. a lot of repetition. Yeah. So I tell kids really uh, mastering the fundamentals first uh, would allow you to entertain better if you're trying to be like me per se, like, like a digital hooper, a YouTube hooper or whatever. But my whole route, I was just trying to make the pros, you know what I mean? Like I played – High school, I played a year of college, and then streetball became an opportunity. But to me, it was all basketball. I played pro. I played in the, the CBA, which used to be the G League. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of fundamental base to my game. So I would say you got to get the reps in. And like I said, that preparation, you know, you got to over-prepare. Preparation meets opportunity. Sometimes success can be had. So, What about those kids that are never going to be great basketball players they see you they're inspired by you but maybe they've got a different interest maybe they want to go into medicine or engineering or whatever it is what advice would you give to them well I think everything is great and I think you can you can get inspiration from all people right like I can even like <clears throat> I can draw inspiration from like Elon Musk or like Jeff Bezos or something like or just the business acumen and I can carry it into what I do. So sometimes people might be inspired by what I do and try to carry it into their craft or like people take the Mamba mentality and try to bring it to their, mm. you know, craft, whatever they want to do, whether it's an engineer or something like that. So I think what's cool about sports is it can teach like life ethics too, right? Being a team player, you know, prep preparing, you know what I mean? Uh, striving to win and be competitive. So I think different different things like that can be taken into whatever people want to do. So as far as what I would tell them, I tell people to try a lot of things, you know what I mean? And see what you like, see what you uh, have a passion for or what you're good at. Where, where's your gifting? I think as yet when you're young, you just got to try a lot of things. You know, if somebody was going into engineering, I don't know what I, what advice I could really give them other than just really an analyzing that whole genre. You want to know it inside and out. So the, and, and look to somebody who's already done it. That's a big thing I say is like, look to somebody who's already successful in whatever you want to do and try to mimic them. Yeah, great advice. But you've really reinvented yourself. I mean, for lack of a better word, um, throughout life, you've got pro uh, and one ball up. And today you're creating content and you've got your own clothing line. Um, talk about the mindset that you have when it comes to growing and evolving. So the mindset now is... Uh... Well, I got to a place even a couple of years ago where I just spread really thin with trying to do a whole bunch of different projects. But my mindset is really to expand the platform so I can inspire and impact more. Hmm. So that can come with like new businesses that comes with like, um, you know, team building, being more organized. So a lot of my time now, or at least my thought is dedicated to how can I be more efficient as far as better time management how can I put together the greatest team to be able to accomplish the different things I want to accomplish? Um, yeah, re really like, like that's what season I'm in right now. My mindset is how can I uh, be more efficient as far as like team building and like being more organized on the daily. I remember when you were, uh, when we were talking a few months ago, you had mentioned that um, when and one just kind of disappeared, it went away. You weren't quite sure what the next step was going to be. Uh, walk us through that uh, that time. What? Uh, where was your mindset at? Yeah, you know the the new the new team that had come in. 
there was the head of branding and an one their their mind was more set on like uh traditional branding you know like branding like nba players and kind of doing it like other brands yeah and they want to expand like i kind of understood where they were coming from a little bit um even though i knew the brand was built off street ball uh so it just went away out of nowhere you know what i mean they decided to go a different way uh they didn't want to put money toward the tour so it was kind of a shock you know what i mean like i really didn't know what to think uh and i couldn't believe it right i mean we're just talking about just a couple of years ago the hottest thing in basketball the one like taking percent uh, taking a healthy like 15 percent of the overall basketball market in sneakers and then it took like a lot of like it was almost rivaling the nba in some circles right mm-hmm. like yeah. not overall but there were a lot of people who were like grasp, grasping on i like this style of basketball not this style so it was shocking for it to just go from hero to zero and then um you know my thought process was uh what's next am i going to be a trainer do i need to just stop basketball and go do something else uh where are the opportunities to pay the the, the bills even like this month like i didn't even know what to do so it was kind of a confusing time and it was a it was a time where I had to um, grab my career by the reins, if you will, and try to take it in my own hands because that was the old school way you sign an endorsement deal and then they do everything for you. They do the marketing, mm. they book your gigs, they tell you what to wear, the whole nine. So that was like step one of me, you know, grabbing the reins, kind of like owning my own career and uh, steering my own ship, so to speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through probably for the fourth or fifth time reading uh, Jocko Willink's uh, book, uh, Extreme Ownership, and uh, that idea of just taking taking control of every aspect of your life and taking control of where, where your destiny uh, goes. I, I love that concept. You know, when you cross people over on the court, they uh, they call it that you're, you're breaking ankles, right? Um, and, and man, I'll, I'll tell you, I you crossed me over... I didn't fall down, fortunately, but you crossed me over quite bad. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't break my ankles, but I was sore. My back was sore for probably like two weeks. As a 45-year-old man, you made me feel even older than I am. <laughs> talk, talk about your physical fitness. I mean, at 37 years old, you move like somebody that's half your age. How do you keep going? So injuries taught me to take better care of my body. So I kind of learned the hard way. Um, yeah, right now, like I said, uh, I'm a runner and I run for it's cardio by default, but it's really to keep my joints oiled and stay moving. So I feel like the older you get, it becomes more key to stay active and don't stop moving and keeping your muscles loose. So stretching is really key. Running Mm -hmm. a few times a week is really key. Going to therapy uh, is really key. And the therapy play and doing functional move workouts was actually birthed by my Achilles injury. So tore my Achilles 2019. And they told me to play at a higher level. You kind of have to do therapy for life on that. Mm, yeah. I just owned therapy on the Achilles is a forever thing. And my body still to date, isn't quite fully in balance. So there's little injuries that come here and there, but it's almost like the, the little injuries still keep me accountable. Like we got to take better care of your body. Cause if that, you know, if I get injured, it kind of halts everything. So I think learning the hard way, unfortunately, this is why I try to, I try to stress the importance of taking care of your body to these young athletes and young kids, but it's so hard when you're in your twenties, you're almost invincible. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but yeah. Uh, what, I, what I say now is I even said on a recent video I was about to drop was 
the culmination of how you take care of your body over the years in your 20s and 30s, that whole marathon and that journey will kind of dictate your longevity as an athlete and just what your quality of life looks like physically uh, later on. So, um, yeah, I, that, that's what my journey looks like right now in a week. You know, run two, three times a week, therapy twice a week. And then when I play ball, you know, we shoot at least once or twice a week. That's that's playing. So just staying as active as I can. Well, everybody's got those things, right? Some sort of injury or something. And I love how you talked about that. You've got to commit to it because therapy is a long term thing. And it's almost forever with some of these things for an Achilles, for sure. What do you do uh, different with your nutrition? Has that changed over the years? Have you adapted that? You know, I stayed so active that I never really curved my diet. I like until recently, to be honest, I never, <laughs> I ate out most of my life. I'd never cook. I eat out okay. every single, uh, but the last, you know, the last like five, six years, I would say like, even if it's an eat out situation, we're trying to keep high protein, less fried food, less fats. Uh, my, mm. my diet weekly was always soda. Soda just makes you tight and dehydrates. It's like the worst thing you could have. So that was always a tough one for me, but um, it always gets tighter, you know, as time goes on. So like even today, you know, I'm coffee, tea, water, you know, try to uh, not even really eat for breakfast. I just eat fruit. That's it. Fruit and tea for breakfast. Keep it light. I think yeah. uh, Tom Brady said he he, be he believes his longevity. Uh, I think him and his trainer actually said that they attribute eating less is better for longevity. Now, mind you, that does, that's not comparable to like keeping on muscle if you want to be big as like a pro athlete. But I'm saying just in the long run, probably not going to be thinking about that. Like for me, I don't really think about being big, right? I just want to be fit. And right. You want to be right. strong, but just more, more like body weight type stuff. So, um, yeah, so eating less, I think, is a thing too. So I've calculated That's a that. big thing. I, I read Brady's book, and he talks about that quite a bit, okay. and just staying, staying pliable and staying fit with uh, yeah. the right nutrition. And, and it worked. I mean, the, the, the guy stayed – I mean, he won a Super Bowl in his 40s, and he moves like people that uh, they are in their 20s. He's moving better than people uh, in their 20s. Unbelievable. So, yeah, yeah I, I can't believe his longevity has been crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he's been he's been pretty amazing. So, in addition to the running and staying uh, fit, cardio, doing some functional training, changing up slightly the diet. What else has changed in terms of your uh, overall fitness and health too? As you've gotten as you've gotten a little bit older, uh, vitamins. You know, I take like twenty vitamins a day. Uh, I forget. Okay every now and then, but I try, try to take about like a lot of vitamins per day. My doctor, she's awesome, but she's really big on uh, just going natural with everything. You know, even if I have some sort of an issue, she tries to stay away from meds until it's like a must, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, uh, she's real big on naturals, you know, different teas, um, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, that, that's something I really incorporated. I don't, I don't really take any like supplements per se, but um yeah if you look at my vitamin it takes like a joke you know what i mean like literally like 20 pills a day so takes you 10 minutes to take the vitamins yeah that's something that was very key for me and also like i live in marina del Rey, so it's nothing but postcard views if you want to go for a run that scenery is crazy and so like running is hard for a lot of people right so i don't yeah. i don't like a treadmill i'm big on a treadmill but i can run but it's great if you have some scenery <laughs> so I feel like the blessing to live in Marina because like you're going to be looking at the ocean no matter where you go. So that's yeah, cool. I, 
I used yeah. to live in Marina Del Rey. Well, I know how beautiful oh, okay. it is. Yeah, yeah I, okay. lived on, I lived on Catamaran. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I yeah, know. It makes a big it's, difference when you got that view. Stunning out there, yeah. It does, man. You got a good playlist, good scenery, the right gear, you'll be ready to go. That's the way to go. Well, Grayson, we're coming up on our time, but uh, as we start to wrap up, we want to run through some rapid-fire questions that we like to do on the podcast. So the rapid-fire questions, if you're okay with this, is where we uh, will run through quickly, and we're looking for one word or one sentence uh, for each one of these rapid-fire questions. You ready to go? Well, go. I want the first question. I want the All first right, question. You, you go first, Miles. All right, so we've I've watched a lot of videos you've played in ball courts all over the planet. And you don't have to say Rucker Park because I'm from Rucker Park, but what's the best one you ever played at? Like the best, where the, 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 the love was the greatest, you had the most fun. Madison Square Garden. Oh, <laughs> right down the street from Rucker Park. <laughs> yeah, you don't get bigger than that. New York goes crazy. That's street ball mecca, you know? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. And Steve got the other questions awesome. for you. <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's talk disruption. How have you disrupted your life to spark new growth? Ooh, disrupted. Sorry. Um, injuries. Oh, yeah, that always does it. Uh, Grayson, if you could go back 10 years and give your former self advice that would push your evolution forward, what would it be? It'd be that the narrative of the people around me, that the wave of thought of the people around me and how they evaluate my game won't be the long-term narrative. Oh, great point. So personal evolution can sometimes be painful. How do you find enjoyment in the process? The results. Ah. Great answer. Great answer. Let Last one in the rapid fire. Are there habits, routines, or rituals that you use to continually progress? Stay focused on God, because then I believe you can stay more anchored to your purpose. Beautiful answer. Well, final question we have for you. So this is not part of the rapid fire. At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. What is the most important habit that you would want our listeners to build? Habit? Wow. The most important habit that I would want the listeners to build Man, give it your all and you can have no regrets. Beautiful answer. One of the best, I think, if not the best <laughs> we've ever had. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, the professor himself, for joining us. Uh, and thank you to my co-host, W. Miles Riley. We've had an amazing conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. Now, Grayson, if there is anyone that's listening to this podcast that is not following you or not following your amazing journey, where's the best place for them to find you? Check me out, YouTube and Facebook, Professor Live, Instagram and TikTok, The Professor. Awesome. 
amazing videos, amazing inspiration. Uh, the Professor Grayson, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and thank you, our evolutionary listeners, for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Remember that it takes time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.